there's no silver bullet. You show up every day, you do the little things well, you focus on one thing and you just stay consistent. I'm talking every single day. Answer the support ticket, write the blog post, send the tweet, whatever it is, right? Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today, I'm joined by JR Farr, who is the co-founder of Make Lemonade, a product studio behind Lemon Squeezy, which is a platform to sell digital products online. JR has had a lengthy and successful entrepreneurial career. Back in 2008, he sold his first startup, College Connecting, before starting and selling another, Mojo Marketplace, back in 2012. From here, he worked at the acquiring company for five years before starting another company called Weave, a product to help with customer retention. I could list out JR's CV in more detail, but you can tell that this chap is a seasoned entrepreneur. Now, if you're an OG listener of the pod, you would have heard me talk about Weekend Club. Well, today, my favorite community has just got a significant upgrade as it rebrands to Ramen Club, the best community to help you get to ramen profitability. Ramen Club has four remote co-working sessions a week, masterminds and accountability calls, live AMAs, a fractional CFO, in-house VA, discounts, and so much more. But most of all, Charlie, the founder, has done such a wonderful job at cultivating such a friendly and supportive community. And here's what one of the ramen club members had to say about it i've been in other you know slack channels groups but it's just not the same the people that i've met genuinely care they're not there to pitch they're not there to sell themselves it's a genuinely friendly place to support each other so if you want to join the most supportive community for bootstrap founders to reach ramen profitable and beyond head to ramenclub.so and use code indiebytes to get 50 percent off your first month and to let charlie know that i sent you let's get into this episode JR, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really, I like this podcast that you do, the, the bites, um, but I'm doing good. I'm excited to chat. Let's talk about some of that amazing entrepreneurship background you had. Uh, Mojo, big part of your life. How did that start? How did you get into the WordPress game, build it up to the point where you could sell it? I was into a, lots of marketing stuff, but blogging and things like that were pretty popular back then because I started using WordPress in 2005, I think, uh, when like... Woo themes came out. I wanted to start my own theme company, but I wasn't very good at design and I was better at marketing. So I thought, well, I could help people that are good at design sell this. So that's kind of what the idea was for Mojo. I had a co-founder. We were good friends, like best friends in high school. We actually started the company together. I actually think I could go on and on about why it was successful. I think a lot of it was the focus that we had, but I actually think that we captured an audience versus building our own. If you look now, it was obvious, but in 2008, WordPress wasn't so obvious, right? So, yeah. but we kind of, we got lucky and we kind of rode that rise of WordPress and we became one of the biggest, largest WordPress marketplaces in the world. Why did you sell it? Why not just keep growing it, keep working on it? You've grown this huge marketplace. Knowing what I'd know now, I wouldn't have sold it when I did because we were so early, but we had GoDaddy knocking on our door we had endurance international group which is the company that we ended up selling to who owns you know bluehost and hostgator and constant contact and all those i think we hit six million users i can't say that it's all regretting because by going into the company that i did go into i got like a full mba being an executive at a company that had four thousand employees a billion five in revenue so i got this kind of just rocket seat right to just learn from mm. a bootstrap founder to a ceo to being an executive in this huge public company so i kind of got the whole thing in 10 years i mean what why did you stay i'm I, i'm gonna guess you had an earnout, right so yeah. you had to stay for a certain amount of time but 
when you go into a big org- organization like that, there's a lot of politics, there's a lot of bureaucracy, you've got to learn the ropes of big business. And you've had two acquisitions at this point, why not just do you run out, get to your work, and then go start another thing? Two things. If you buy us, our culture will stay and our office will stay and we will almost be an island. Right. And they were really good mm-hmm. about that for a lot of years. And that made me feel like it was still my own thing. And, and then that was the second thing, which is the team and the people that worked for me were, we were all super close, like family. That was a big emotional cleanse when I left, when I resigned in 2018, that was, that was like a difficult transition to kind of, cause mm. I was, my identity was so wrapped up in it. What, why did you leave? I got to that point where the company was too big and the bureaucracy eventually found its way in after all those years. And you're right. As soon as it hit, I gave it, I told myself I gave it (laughs) one year and then I was out the door. I couldn't do it. Tell me what happened with starting Weave, your next company. Was that born out of working at this other company? Like I said, I mean, I was helping manage seven, $800 million P&L, right? This huge, huge business. And so one of the issues we had was churn. We were a SaaS business. I was kind of tasked to go figure out this issue, this leaky bucket. And I got immersed into customer retention and churn and how it all works. And so there's actually quite a bit of articles and podcasts I've done around this. Churn's a very misunderstood term, I think, Mm. especially for early founders and things. It's, you know, they look at their churn metrics inside of Stripe or ProfitWell or whatever. and, And it's, it can actually, there's a lot of false positives around the way people calculate it, things like that. I started with going straight to like the customers and things and understanding the why and why people were leaving. And, and I quickly understood that churn is a symptom of something bigger, right? A lot of times people try and bandaid it with different things and rather than fixing the, 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 the leaky bucket. So I wanted to try to figure a way to automate all that and give that power of a billion dollar enterprise. How could I give that to who I used to be, which was a startup founder? Mm. I went and bought this fancy domain, four letter.com <laughs> weave, literally W E A V.com. It's like $75,000 domain. <laughs> and which is, you know, you'd think a seasoned entrepreneur wouldn't do that, but I was just like, so like, yeah, sure. I'll just buy this. You know, I didn't even think about it. Do you think that was a mistake for you looking back on it? Oh, a hundred percent. It was a, it was a mistake. It was just like one of those things where like, I just needed to slay the beast, right? Like I just, I was like, yeah. I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? It's in my mind, so I'm doing it. And that's kind of how I work sometimes. Once I get an idea in my head, I, I can't let it go until it's done. Yeah, I built it on top of Stripe, became a Stripe partner. And yeah, we had some pretty pretty big clients come in and, and use the product. And it was really, really cool, I think, the way we were doing it. But through me trying to find myself and what I wanted to do moving forward after leaving a decade long of a career... Mm. You know, I did that and took on some strategy and consulting roles and really tried to kind of figure out what I wanted to do and and ultimately kind of bumped into the Make Lemonade crew and kind of where it headed to with with Lemon Squeezy. Yeah. So let's bridge that gap. So we've got a lot of the backstory. You spent 75,000 on a domain. You're saying you've got big clients. Uh, People might be thinking, well, why, why wasn't that success? You're obviously not doing it now. So what happened between then and meeting the Make Lemonade folks? I've always kind of had a line in the sand when it comes to raising money. I think that that business that I was trying to build, because it was so data-centric and financial-centric sensitivity, right? I need. I think I needed actually a little bit more firepower behind the three or four-person team that we had. And I think that maybe would have helped 
But again, I was spreading myself almost too thin with everything that I was doing. And it was ultimately, I felt like in my head, kind of my brainchild. So we had some big players on the platform, but just fizzled out. Let's move on to Make Lemonade. JR, I love this idea, right, of talented people, uh, not only talented, but seasoned veterans of the industry. All four of you have all done good, big things, especially in the WordPress space. How did you meet the chaps and agree to all come together on this one thing? Yeah, you got Orman and Gilbert, and you've got myself, and you got Jason Schuler. We all came from the WordPress space. And so we all met like a decade ago. And so we all kind of knew each other from those things. And everyone was kind of working on different projects. And I actually think a lot of it was timing too, right? Is Jason's been a very solo entrepreneur. Orman's been pretty solo with his career. And so I think they were kind of just like, I'm ready to come together with a talented team, a collective and see what we could really do together. So, but like, who, who was the driving force behind it happening? I mean, I was obviously a group thing, but I do feel like that, like I pushed majority of it to say, guys, no, 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 we got to make this happen. Something has to happen here. There's something here. There's lightning, there's lightning in this bottle and I'm not walking away from this. And so yeah. we actually had other people that were involved originally. We had, you know, we've, and eventually we kind of settled on this kind of core group. Do you think that more entrepreneurs or indie entrepreneurs should band together in like a trio or quartet like this? Because you you do see a lot of co-founders, like a a bunch of talented people and not only focusing on one product and having multiple things. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, it depends on the person. If I think about even my brother, he can design, he can code, he can write copy, he can market. Like he's kind of a unicorn. There's a few of those people out there. And I think to maybe even get started, it's it's okay. And But I definitely think everybody needs a yin to their yang. Everyone, you know, not everyone's perfect. Not everyone's good at everything. And so business is hard enough. You know what I mean? So if you can have a couple guys that or girls that are kind of vibe with you and match your, your talents, right? I think it's a no-brainer personally. Just you can go further together kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it, it's nice to see all of your talent shine through right so part of make lemonade the big project you worked on was lemon squeezy this was like i'm guessing the flagship starter product that you're all building together but i i was thinking this right there are so many ways to sell your product online like i i I thought it was pretty easy to be honest jr i I thought yeah i can spin up gumroad or i can do a stripe checkout what what, why did you want to enter this space You, you you say it's broken I didn't think so. I actually think it's a really good question because you're right in some of the ways. And I I would answer that by even saying just like an analogy that I love, which is there's always a Coke and a Pepsi in every industry, right? People need options. And outside of Gumroad, there's really not, you know, for specifically what we're doing right now. And that's okay. Like I'm fine to, you know, even if you look at the idea of like fast food places like McDonald's, right? If they're all in the corners with this other competing, they all rise together, right? So it's... It's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think it pushes everyone to be a little bit better and not get complacent. But it does look, in some senses, that you're trying to do everything. Subscriptions, digital products, courses, common wisdom for entrepreneurs, right? It's just focus on one thing and do it super well. Why are you doing it a little bit differently with Lemon Squeezy and and having this whole platform with lots of features? Well, I mean... We obviously, we have a little bit of an unfair advantage. We have Orman Clark designing our whole experience. So there's that. (laughs) But so, okay, so I'm going to actually answer this a couple different ways. I guess the North Star that we kind of have is, and this is kind of a silly explanation, but just stay with me on this. 
over the last 15 years, we've all kind of been building products that sell digital products, right? We've all been in this e-commerce space, specifically digital products. But if you go to Disneyland, okay, there is a ride called Space Mountain. So yeah. as you walk up to this experience, it's all kind of decked out. You walk in, even walking through the line, and then you jump in the ride, and you go through this ride, and there's lights everywhere. It's pitch black inside. You can't see yeah. anything but the experience that you're going through. It's, it's curated for this ride. But now imagine if I turn the lights on, there would be railings and wires and dust and whatever else in there, right? And if, to me, I feel like over the last 10 years of being in this space and I look back, everything's kind of still the same. And so in a sh simple way, we're trying to easy peasy make a space mountain experience where you get on, you get in the ride, you're the creator and you just focus on what you do and not worry about your domain and connecting to your email and where your audience is and who, what they bought and the purchases and selling this and that. And it's much more than just taking a payment, right? And I think that that's where Lemon Squeezy too, where maybe we're a lot different is yes, we act as the merchant record and there is a couple products that do that. But working globally and internationally at Mojo for so long, the other thing that's an issue is once people make the money, how do they get paid? And so I've mm -hmm. struck some decent partnerships to actually pay out to so many different countries that you can't get on other platforms. Such a wonderful analogy. And you're creators, you've been there, you've done it, you know what it's like. H how's it going for you, Eddie? Can you give me a sense of the scale in any way? I would say GMV is kind of our North Star at a moment. I'd say, you know, a million dollars a month is, uh, we're getting, we're very, very getting closer to that. And I think we'll just continue to move up, right? We'll do 10 million a month. Yeah, there's the four of us, but we're about to hire about six to eight people. So things are things are going pretty well right now. People might be thinking, like, how are they funding this? Like, I can't do that as a indie entrepreneur. But you can't forget that all of you have had previous successes, acquisitions. You are self-funding this. You are bootstrapped, but it's with probably more capital than most people would have. So yes. I wonder if we round off on like, what, are there any things you know that come up regularly for what goes into a successful startup? What can people take away from this if they want to get to that point? For me, it's pretty simple. Yeah. There's no silver bullet. You just, you show up every day, you do the little things well, you focus on one thing and you just stay consistent. I'm talking every single day, answer the support ticket, write the blog post, send the tweet, whatever it is, right? Just release that that feature or the bug or do the marketing campaign. It's all those little boring things that they just add up and they compound. That is to me the, the way that you do it. I also think too, that marketing is underrated, right? Like I'm talking like yeah. not, not just going and buying ads. I'm saying get good at copywriting and storytelling yeah. and, and conversion. And those things will really help you early on. I end every episode on three recommendations, a book, a podcast, and an indie hacker or entrepreneur you recommend or are inspired by. Okay, so book. Uh, the Hard Thing About Hard Things is one of my favorites. It's Ben Horowitz's book. Podcast. I mean, it's got to be Indie Bites, right? <laughs> <laughs> the one that I've really enjoyed lately is My First Million. And then Indie Hacker Entrepreneur. So I love that there is a little pocket in Twitter right now that I really like following like you and DR. And, but if I had to nail it down to just one person. Okay. So the one right now is Banner Bear. And the reason why I'm going to say him is because he's at an interesting point and I can see he's really struggling 
where it's bigger than him now and he needs to hire and he's kind of reaching a, a kind of a big moment in his company. Yeah. And I'm curious to see how he executed. I don't know him. I've never talked to him. I'd love to have like 30 minutes just to kind of help maybe give him some advice, but I'm curious to see how he plays out with his next, next move. Yeah. JR, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you for joining me. Thanks, man. It's fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. JR was such an awesome guest and I'm definitely a big fan of Make Laminade now. All links for everything discussed will be in the show notes as always. And if you want to join me and others in the friendliest bootstrapper community, try out Ramen Club and I'll see you next week or in the community. Mm-hmm.